Good morning, everyone. Did someone say breathe at Christmas? You've got to be kidding me, right? But we can. We can actually breathe in God's story today. And hopefully on our way out of this place today, we're going to breathe something of it out to the people we meet. You see, today we're going to be looking at John the Baptist, and we're going to be looking at this idea of bridging the gap between an old story and a new story, and hopefully your story. Thanks, Nick. You see, what we want to do is we want to drop you in now into the context. We're looking at Luke 1. It's called the Infancy Narratives. It's when Jesus is born. And a couple of weeks ago, you might remember that Steve chatted to us about a man called Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, who were childless, but um, Zechariah was chosen by Lot. He was a priest to go into the temple to offer incense at this particular time of year. And an angel, Gabriel, came to meet him, tells him he's going to have a baby, the baby's going to be special, and then Zechariah says, how can I be sure? And because of that, he ends up not being able to speak for more than nine months until the baby dedication, which I find interesting that today we have a baby dedication and our passage is all about a baby dedication. So that's pretty cool, nicely woven in there, Troy and team. I wonder, for nine and a half months not speaking... What would you have said if you had suddenly got your voice back after nine months or more? I've been thinking about this, and I'm an external processor, and I can't, I can only imagine what poor Rodney would have to put up with if I had to, he's already laughing, what I, if I was talking after nine months for the first time. What would you say? But the text tells us that God set Zechariah's tongue free so that he could speak, and he does this thing called prophesize. He foretells things. He breaks into song with the power of the Spirit. Now, I want you to pick up the text that you have there with you. It's a little piece of paper, A5, like this. We're going to do something a little bit interactive with it today. So just hang on to that. You don't need to do anything just yet except read it. So this is called Zechariah's song. In Latin, it's called the Benedictus, which means it's a blessing. Right? Now, have a look at the very, very first line. It says, John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. I want you to notice here that the power of the Holy Spirit is on him. So he gets boldness and he breaks into this thing called praise. You see, in the Old Testament, in the old story, the Holy Spirit would come on special people and then leave again when that particular assignment was completed. But see here, Zechariah would know that he's been chosen for a particularly special purpose. And he needs the Holy Spirit to tell this story because it's a big one. Last week, Vonnie spoke about Mary's Magnificat when Mary finds out that she's going to give birth to this child called Jesus. It's modelled on the Psalms and you can give it a big tick because it gets fulfilled. But this one, this song, this is modelled on the prophets because what Zechariah is doing is he's foretelling, forthtelling about the past promises that are going to come true through this special baby who happens to belong to him. See, this is God breathing out his story with the power of the Holy Spirit through Zechariah. So I wonder if we should pay particular attention today. In fact, why don't we just take a big deep breath in as we breathe in God's story today. Take a breath. There it is. And breathe out. Let's get ready to hear what God has to say to us. This is an old story, an old ancient story. 
And God is in it, as always. Now, with your piece of paper here, grab a pen if you've got one. I don't know if you're sharing one between two. I don't know how that's going to work, but just follow with me. If you don't want to do the interactive thing, that's fine. But grab a pen. I want you to draw a box around from where it says verse 68 down to verse 75. I want you to draw a box around there so you can split this song in two because I want you to see visually that this is a song that is split in two. Yeah, I can see some of you are struggling with that. (laughs) So it's going to look like this. It's going to be a one and a two, right? You're going to have a box around the top half and the rest is going to just sit there. What I want you to do now is in the very first line of 68, I want you to circle the word Lord Israel's God. Put a big circle around Lord Israel's God. And then I want you to write at the top somewhere where there's a bit of space, I want you to write the words looking back. I don't care about your spelling, you're the only one that's going home with it. Looking back and then another word next to it, if it can fit, and then we're going to move on. I want you to write the word saving plan. Okay, starting to feel like a school teacher now. So what you should have is a box between verse 68 to 75, then you've circled Lord Israel's God, you've got the words looking back and you've got the words saving plan. That should already tell you what this particular text is about. You see, it's past tense. It's what we call third-person singular. So it's one person. It's all about God. This whole boxed section is all about what God has been doing in what we call the old story. And he looks back at two things, two covenants. Now, while you've got your pen in your hand there, I want you to underline two things. I want you to go to verse 69. I want you to underline the word David. And then I want you to go to verse 73 and underline the word Abraham. See, now these are two people that have already been in God's story way back when. And now Zechariah is moving into the story and he's recalling people from the past. What is going on here? Just have a look at that verse, Luke 1 verse 69. It says he's raised up a horn of salvation, so God's doing it. And this horn of salvation basically just means that he is a symbol of strength. This word appears 90 times in the Old Testament, and it usually refers to one victorious person, often God. Now, what Zechariah doesn't realise here is he's actually prophesying about Jesus. Jesus is already in the script and in his mouth as he is speaking. And the next one is that, well, the next thing that we need to notice is that This David promise is that God promised there would always be a king on David's throne. Zechariah doesn't know it's going to be Jesus. The next thing, have a look at verse 1, verse 73. Abraham, this covenant, this promise that God made was all about how all the nations are going to be blessed through Abraham because Jesus is going to come through the Jewish line. You see? Do you see what's happening here? We've got stories in the past with people in the past that God is bringing into the future, landing in Zechariah's lap. Zechariah is prophesying it. There's a story going on. But what we don't notice with our modern day eyes is that this story is Jewish. We don't really get it. Maybe some of you do if you've studied Judaism or maybe you've got some Jewish ancestry. But this particular song is incredibly nationalistic. It is so politically charged. I wish I had time to unpack it with you. 
You see, Zechariah was waiting for a Messiah who would bring the weapons of war to come and destroy Rome. They were not expecting a baby, a child. So whose story is this? Is this Zechariah's story? Is this Jesus' story? Is it John the Baptist? Is it God? Well, I want to put it to you that actually the key actor here in this story is God himself. It's his plan that Jesus is going to carry out and it's his promise long revealed that Jesus is going to bring. With your pens, I want you to go to verse 67 and I want you to circle the word Holy Spirit. Thanks, Nick. Then I want you to go to verse 68. And you've already circled this, so you don't have to do it again. But just look. It says, Lord, Israel's God. See what's going on here? The whole Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are in it. You've seen the Holy Spirit. Here's Israel's God, the Father. And have a look at verse 68. It says, he's come to his people. Circle that word, he has come. Because in the Old Testament, that word, pekad, if you want to know in Hebrew, means it's a messianic term. The Messiah is coming. So we've got the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit represented in the first two verses of Zechariah's incredible prophetic song, which is a story which is from the past, which is being brought into the future. Are you tracking with me? Okay, only half of you. <laughs> okay. This is God's story, but it's Zechariah's story. There's a poet called David White who says, we actually play out our lives as part of this greater story. Zechariah has suddenly found himself in it. Maybe Zechariah felt overlooked because his prayers were not answered for many, many years, but he's gone from a place of being overlooked to a place of being remembered and seen. Sometimes he gets overlooked in the birth narratives about Jesus. Maybe, sometimes, you might feel overlooked. Maybe you think, God doesn't need me in his story. Or I don't know how to get involved in God's story. I haven't seen angels. It doesn't have to be a big thing to get involved in God's story. I used to think that my teaching, I used to teach secondary, I used to think that teaching was my part in God's story. But I'm here to tell you today it's not about position and it's not about title and it's not about talent. And being part of God's story is not about what you do. It's actually about who you are. It's about being available. It's about following Jesus step by step, little by little, every day in the small things. I remember once Troy said in a, in a message, could have been years ago, sorry I haven't forewarned you about this, but you said something about, you know, you get out of bed, your, your feet hit the floor and you say, reporting for duty, God, I really liked that, but over the years I'm like, I don't feel like a soldier. So now I just put my feet on the floor and I go, I'm in your story. I'm ready to do whatever you need me to do. And I wonder how that might play out for you at Christmas. Everybody has a part to play. You know what? It could be as easy as smiling to the person in the checkout. It might be as easy as holding a door open, but you have a part to play in the story. Are you available? Are you available? Are you available? to be part of God's story. You might not get a big gig like Zechariah or John the Baptist. In fact, maybe you need to hear this. 
the parts that you play are never too small because God sees them. Or maybe you need to hear this. This is not your book. It's not about you, but it is your story. A guy called John Eldridge, thanks Nick, says this. What if, just listen for a moment to this, what if all the great stories that have ever moved you, brought you joy or tears, what, what if they're telling you something about the true story into which you were born, this epic into which you have been cast? We won't begin to understand our lives or what this so-called good news of Christianity is until we understand the old story in which we've found ourselves. For when you were born, you were born into an epic that has already been underway for quite some time. It's a story of beauty and intimacy, adventure. It's not boring. It's a story of danger and of loss, of heroism and even betrayal. This is a story that we just can't seem to escape. There is a story written on every human heart, even yours, because God has planted eternity there. You see, he's the author of an age-old story and he's inviting you to play a part in it. And we do this through worship. We do this by diving deep into who God is. Now, this week... Not to boast about it, but Rodney and I got to go away and use our Jetstar vouchers from two years ago during COVID that we keep on having to shift because, you know, COVID came back and lockdowns or whatever. We finally got to Port Douglas and we signed up to do some snorkelling and I saw this little billboard, sorry about the terrible, you know, picture that I took there, but it talks about this scuba diving course, talks about be part of the adventure with purpose. And I thought, oh, that's kind of like our story. When we dive deep into God himself, we actually begin to see a whole new world. You know, when you're snorkeling, have you been snorkeling before? Put your hand up if you've been snorkeling, scuba diving. Okay, that's most of us. That's good. When you're on the water and you've got your snorkel in your mouth, your mask is on, you're looking underneath and you can actually hear the fish chewing, just like the silkworms. You can hear the fish chewing and you can actually see the bits of coral or algae that are coming up. And I looked down there when I was snorkeling and I thought, this is like, this is a whole new ecosystem. And it's a bit like God's story. You can kind of just move about in that place. There's heaps of room for everybody to play their part. Some are big fish, some are small fish, but everybody's doing something. And each time you nibble on a coral, you, it's like diving deep into God. You feed on what he says is true about who you are in his story and stuff moves about you and starts to spread around. Maybe it's time for you to hop in to the story. Do you want to? Because if you do, you're going to need to be familiar with the new story. With your piece of paper and your pen, why don't you go and draw a box around verse 76 to 79, the remainder of what's there. And I want you to circle the word you in the very first line on verse 74. Circle the word you 
and circle the word prophet. So we've got the second box, which is the new story. Now, this is Zechariah actually talking to his baby. It's almost like Belinda and Ed would be talking to Will up here saying, you are going to be this. This is what Zechariah is doing. He's saying it's actually what we call a second person singular now. We're talking about one person. It's John the Baptist. This is where he starts to step into the story. It moves a little bit from Zechariah. Now we're going into John the Baptist. I want you to write these words next to your box. Looking forward. Again, I don't mind about your spelling. Looking forward, which is the opposite to the first box. And then I want you to write the words effects of plan. Effect of plan. So the top box is about the saving plan. What does it look like? What's been happening? And the bottom box is about what are the effects? What's, what's it going to look like when all this comes together? You see, what we've got here is John the Baptist is going to pave the way for this child called Jesus. And there's a bit of an interplay in this second section of this song between two cousins. They're actually human flesh cousins, John the Baptist and Jesus, real-life cousins. Have a look at the difference and the similarities between John the Baptist and Jesus. John is the forerunner of Jesus. He's the preparer. He's going to tell people. But Jesus is actually the fulfiller of this new story in the box there. John's born out of barrenness, Jesus of a virgin. Can you see that in this list, everything that Jesus is and does is superior to John the Baptist because Jesus is not the prophet. He's the saviour king. John bridges the gap between the old story and the new story. Jesus bridges the gap between God and people. John paves the way. Jesus is the way. How is Jesus the way? Jesus, John rolls out like a red carpet for Jesus. He is going to let the people know. He's not going to be the saviour. He's not going to do the forgiving. He's going to tell people about it. And that it's Jesus who's going to come and bring light and peace. And can I tell you, don't we all need a little bit of peace and a bit of light? Isn't that a lovely thing to have at Christmas rather than a ho-ho-ho and presents and more stuff? Is to actually take some time to breathe in God's story and go, Jesus is light in my darkness. This baby is going to bring me peace. Spoiler alert, the baby grows up. <laughs> Jesus grows up. And he's going to bring us freedom. I wonder if you're ready today to think about stepping into this new part of the story and asking Jesus to be your light and peace. Or maybe you already have and you already follow Jesus. And if so, I want to ask you this question. I'm going to give you five seconds to think of somebody that comes to mind. If you're a Jesus follower, who is somebody from your life that has pointed you to Jesus? Is there someone like John the Baptist who has prepared the way for you to come to get to know Jesus? Because there's one for me that stands out above all the rest. And it's my mum. This woman was a woman of faith. I used to watch her sit at the kitchen table with her Bible, drinking a coffee, getting ready for a ladies' Bible study. 
I would see her putting little coins into the boxes on the windowsill for the leprosy mission and the, the Bible college mission and the blind people's mission. And I would see her count those coins at the end of the week and there'd be coins all on the table stacked up because my mum wanted to follow Jesus and I watched. And she paved the way for me. I wonder who it was for you. Or, here's something to think about, maybe you could be a preparer. Is there someone that comes to mind now that you go, ooh, could I help roll out the red carpet for Jesus for somebody to encounter him? It's all part of being in the story, which brings me to my last point about bridging the gap from the old story to the new story to your personal story. So let's say for a moment that God's story does become your personal story. Here's a question. What will the tone of your story be like? Have a look at Zechariah's tone. You've got it there in front of you. It's all about thanks and praise and lifting up and pointing to God and pointing to Jesus. How do you want your story to sound, particularly at Christmas time? Are we going to grumble about how much food there is that we need to buy, how many people are going to be in our house, whether or not we get the, vacuum, the floors vacuumed well enough, whether or not we get the right presents, all those things? What are we going to be like at Christmas time when we're thinking about this baby who John the Baptist has prepared the way for? When people see us, what kind of musical tone will, will, we be, will we be showing them? Sometimes there's hard seasons, I know that, even at Christmas if there's loss. But Paul in Philippians tells us to be content and to rely on the strength of this baby, Jesus, who grows up so that we can do what we need to do to be in his story. Thanks, Nick. You know, we can pick the tone of a song about what it's about within the first few bars, can't we? Dancing Queen. It's a fun song. Yes, there's a few here who love it. It's happy, right? We know what a love song sounds like. It's generally a bit slow, ballad kind of thing. When you walk up to people at Christmas time, what kind of tone of your story are you bringing? How are you bridging the gap to people from an old story to a new story to your story to their story? How are you connecting the dots with the tone of how you speak? Maybe you're not even speaking. You know, Belinda and Ed with their baby will today. So much joy standing here. But how much more joy could there be when we think about this baby called Jesus? Let me read you this before we conclude. All of this infancy material, you know, about John the Baptist and Jesus, the birth. This is written so that you can be introduced to a God who is active in a story to bring his saving power to those who respond to him. Those who are impacted by this, they think about what God is doing in their lives and they respond with praise and with adoration. They declare what God is doing and they bridge the gap by introducing others to Jesus with their life story. So what about you? Are you going to be busy at Christmas? 
racing around, buying stuff, getting stressed out? Or are you going to be busy breathing in the story, changing the tone of what it's like at Christmas and breathing out light and joy and peace? Maybe all you need to do is be there for someone. Maybe all you need to do is open your mouth and speak something about why you follow Jesus. Or maybe open your ears and listen. Maybe you're too scared. I want to invite the band up. I'm going to sing a song in a moment. I'm going to talk about this idea of, as we're singing, that there is a place for each of us in God's story. We are free indeed to explore his world, go about our place, like when you're snorkeling and you look down, it's a big kingdom, it's a big story. Play a part. You have a part to play, big or small. You can pave the way for Jesus in other people's lives. And you can share your story with a tone of joy at Christmas. This week, on the back of your sheets here, you've got a few things to think about. I'm not going to talk through them. What I'd like to do is just let you sit with this for a couple of minutes, maybe just while Jackson plays and we won't start singing just yet. Have a read through those things. Is there anything that jumps out to you? Ask God, God, is there anything here that is particularly right for me? Think about it. These questions will be up on the screen for a couple of minutes. And then when we sing together about being a child of God, this is about being in his story, big or small, paving the way for Christ and sharing Jesus with your tone of joy at Christmas.